0: hey, Mission Gathering, Merry Christmas. I want to offer a short Advent meditation this morning. Um, And part of it inspired by a book I've been reading by astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson called Cosmic Perspectives. In the book, he takes some of the most divisive issues of our world and he looks at them from a larger perspective in light of everything we know about the universe and it's really eye-opening. It has really changed how I see so many issues. And I feel that way about the story of Jesus's birth, the Christmas story. Um, You know, a surface reading of the story in Luke's gospel, it really gives me warm and fuzzies. It reminds me of being at my grandparents' house when I was a kid, and my grandpa would read this Christmas story out loud for the whole family, and we'd all be sitting on the floor around the Christmas tree. And I remember the smell of cinnamon And I remember the way the dark room was lit up by candles and Christmas lights, and it was such a good memory. Uh, But as I grew up and I learned more about the story of Jesus's birth, and I learned about some of the historical context and how some of the first hearers of that story would have understood it, I got an entirely new and different perspective of that story, Um, You know, what I didn't know as a child at Christmas is that the birth story in Luke is incredibly political. Um, It uses political language that Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, used for himself, like divine son of God, savior of the world, the one whose birth would bring peace on earth. In the years leading up to Jesus's birth, Palestine was a deadly violent, Place in whatever a group would protest Rome's control or protest taxes, Rome would essentially send in the military, enslave entire towns, crucify thousands of people. Uh, historians tell us that uh, in the events leading up to Jesus's birth, that Rome couldn't find enough crosses for all of the bodies that they wanted to crucify. This was Caesar's way of bringing peace on earth. Romans wrote that the birth of Caesar Augustus was divine. Jesus' followers believed the birth of Jesus was divine, the birth of the true God in the flesh. But for the followers of Jesus, the birth of Jesus provided a very different way for peace and hope in the world. The divine made flesh as a baby, born alongside animals, placed in a feeding trough, receiving a royal welcome and gifts by society's outcasts, the shepherds. And This divine ruler would say that peacemakers are the ones who are children of God. He would say to love your enemy, to love your neighbor as yourself. He taught that the way to life is not in wealth and possessions and doing what it takes to get ahead, but in serving others in humility, making sure others have what they need. He said that what you do to the least of these you do to God. John's gospel takes kind of the ultimate cosmic perspective of the Christmas story. He says that uh, in the beginning, the Word was made flesh, um, and that this Word made flesh has always been there since the beginning of the cosmos. Um, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And there's something so magical and mystical and miraculous about that idea as a kid for me, that, that the divine, that God would... Make God's self known as this little baby, like us. A lot of Christians think of the word as the Bible, the Bible as the word of God. So when we read this verse, it's almost like Jesus was the Bible made flesh. But that's not at all what the Greek means. They had words for their Hebrew scriptures, and and they didn't use them for this passage. The Greek word the author uses is logos, which means something like the wisdom of God. It's like the ultimate reality that we can sense, we can't fully see and grasp, and and this reality became flesh and bone, human, that's logos. And there's a Jewish philosopher um, who lived the same time as Jesus, and he said that the logos of the living God is the bond of everything, holding all things together and binding all the parts, and prevents them from being dissolved and separated. And there's this beautiful poem in Colossians that says, Christ is what holds all things together. So, the thing that takes broken, separate things and restores them to create something whole again. Um, and it's also the gravity that holds the solar system together, the energy that holds atoms together in the smallest scale. John writes that this power is manifested in human form, it's embodied in Jesus. It's what scientist Teilhard de Chardin called the cosmic Christ in 1916. It's what Richard Rohr called the universal Christ, that the entire universe is moving towards love, wholeness, towards its ultimate potential. Theodore Martin said something in the 1800s that inspired speeches by Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr., that the arc of the moral universe bends toward justice. Dr. Cornel West said, never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. The entire cosmos, the universe, is moving towards love, and Christ is seen as an embodiment of that love, Jesus. And Jesus saw his followers as also an embodiment of that love. You are an embodiment of God's love. In John fifteen, Jesus tells his followers that if they live out his teachings, then God's love will be in them. So John fifteen eleven says, "I've told you these things for a reason, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature." And this is my command: to love one another the way that I loved you. It's like Jesus is saying that love, peace, hope, the joy of Advent are not things that we are waiting for; they are available now within you. Uh, If we do what Jesus says, which is to live a life of love, then we will experience joy. And it's not like it's a, a magic formula where love always equals joy and pure happiness, and there's never sadness, never difficulty in life. But I do believe there's something deeply true about this. Research tells us that people who are more loving and compassionate tend to be happier and have a greater sense of well-being. Some of my neuroscience and spirituality research from seminary taught us that when we think on past memories of joy, our brain and our body thinks that it's happening in the present. There's a 2018 study from the University of Colorado at Boulder that found that Imagining playing the piano actually strengthened neural connections in regions of the brain related to the fingers. Imagination is powerful. That's really what hope is. Hope is imagining what the future could be, what our life could be, what the world could be and should be. And so maybe Advent, we don't need to wait for the joy and the hope and the peace and the love of Christmas We can create it now. So, what does it look like to create joy? Well, think on memories from your childhood, maybe during Christmas, if you celebrated Christmas as a family. Think about a loving, joyful, happy memory and sit with that. So, one meditation technique that we learned in seminary for cultivating joy is to meditate on our memories in the past that brought us joy so this morning we're gonna take part in the meditation a spiritual practice for just a few minutes to help us cultivate create joy I invite you, to settle into your space wherever you are close your eyes feel the ground beneath your feet or where your body is rooted in your seat your connection to the earth gravity pulling you down now take a deep breath in through your nose breathe out completely Notice your body, the area around your eyes, your jaw. Are they tense? Can you relax them or soften them? Do you notice any tension in your shoulders? Can you let them soften? Now allow a memory to arise from your past where you felt joy, happiness, or amusement. Maybe it's from Christmas as a child, being with family or friends. Maybe it's something more recent. Sometimes it's easiest to go with the first memory that arises. Where were you? Who is with you? What do you hear? What do you see and smell? What are your emotions and feelings? If your mind wanders, just notice in a non-judgmental way and say that was a thought or that was a feeling and come back to your breath, come back to your memory. As we come back to the present, take another deep breath. We breathe in the joy of God. We breathe out the love of God to the world. Whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. Notice how you feel. You feel different than before you started the meditation. My hope is that you can carry forward these feelings of happiness and joy into the rest of your day. Thank you for sharing this time with us. I hope this practice is something that you can take throughout your day, throughout your week when you are feeling like you need to find moments of joy, moments of peace. Know that you are the love, the peace, the hope, the joy of God in the world. go enjoy. We'll see you this Sunday night, December 18th, for our Candlelight Christmas gathering. Have a great week.